Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jessica Jones Podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. Barky, barky. The Jessica Jones Podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 307, a.k.a. the Double Half Loppinger, is sponsored by gas station pumps full of E. coli, better take that antibacterial gel pete here we are midweek i have seen spider-man far from home you have seen spider-man far from home twice we're not going to talk about it here though but we do have a far from home podcast coming to you this sunday so if you dear listener have thoughts about the old webhead in europe share them between now and then and an incentive we will be giving away a uh, Marvel Digital Download 3-pack. You get your Spider-Man Homecoming. You get your Thor Ragnarok. You get your Captain Marvel. Uh, all it takes to enter the contest is to leave a review for any of the 18 Fantastic Geek podcasts on iTunes. You can leave as many as 18, earning you up to... 18 entries in our drawing and make sure you just reach out via social media or email to say hey my name on itunes is Bubbleface 22 so if my name gets picked you know that's how we can award the prize with that it's time for some surveillance let's see what the episode was all about The episode is written by Nancy One, a producer this season on Jessica Jones, and directed by Larry Tang. He, a veteran of SWAT, Runaways, SEAL Team, Walking Dead, The Good Doctor, and Supergirl. At the 15th precinct, JJ and Trish look on, feeling powerless. Jerry's there with Salinger, her poor old client. Jerry's cashing in on the info JJ gave her. Salinger speaks up, blaming the female vigilante Jessica Jones, the feminist vindicator, and the other female who hides behind the mask. To him, she's no hero. Jerry's upset that she wasn't told about the second super, as well as his appeal to the base. Now Salinger's upset at Jerry's arrogance. Back at the office, Jerry's asking about Kiff, but JJ is there fuming. She warns Jerry about collateral damage. Indeed, will Salinger be the one to put Jerry out of her misery? Jess leaves, and Jerry reflects. In Malcolm's office, he reflects on the dirty deed he did last episode. He calls Zaya wanting to talk in person. She hangs up on him. Zaya in the office wants to interview a man who claimed to have been beaten by a masked super. Later, Malcolm goes to Jerry's office. Zaya's not available, but hears Salinger's voice. Salinger doubts Jessica will find dirt on him. She doesn't respect hard work, not like Jerry and Zaya, in whom Salinger has extensive, creepy knowledge. Salinger leaves, and Malcolm stresses to Zaya that Salinger is a killer, and the firm could get dinged by him. Later, Jerry's still working, and Zaya has files. Five guilty men claim to have been attacked by a masked woman. Three have been clients of the firm. Hashtag, it's all connected. Zaya, find out how that security has lapsed. In JJ's office, Jillian's phone is ringing off the hook, and Jess wonders if she could be wearing a mask too. The info share that Eric's stepped away from the story for now, and Trish and Jess spitball to come up with a new plan. Maybe try and go see what little Greggy Salinger did in Wappinger Falls. Road trip. 
It's a small bucolic town, and they park outside the local police station slash town hall. The police lady can verbally confirm that Donnie was rolled under a tractor. Greg was on a school trip, and the police lady is disinclined to show the file. She couldn't protect Greg from his sad father, but she'll protect him now. No file. Jess texts Trish, Patsy meltdown needed. The police run out, and Jess runs in, taking the files. Patsy's psychologically shutting down right now. Later at a hotel, neither gal sees much proof Donnie was murdered. Trish ponders her past when the world found out that she was a rehab reject. It was freeing. Anyway, if Donnie wasn't the first kill, who was? The next morning, has Trish found a lead? Nathan Silva, wrestling teammate of Salinger, friend until he went missing. They go to the Silva house and Jessica goes in. Back at the office, Malcolm wants information from Jillian. She doesn't believe he's a good guy, but they call Jessica. Trish answers, trying to keep Malcolm at an arm's length, but ultimately gives the okay. In the Silva home, Mom and Dad still have things from their late son's past. Dad references how Nathan and Greg used to make up wrestling moves just for the two of them. Mom and Dad argue off to the side, and Jessica finds a picture taken out back, signed by Greg. It's at a spot where a gazebo now sits. Greg helped build it all day. Outside, local PD arrives. Inside, the persnickety police lady wants Jessica to leave. Jessica goes into the backyard and flips a gazebo. She punches into the earth while a gun is drawn on her. Trish arrives, camera trained on the police. Jessica unearths a bag from Wappinger Falls Wrestling. The body's inside. Later, Jessica calls Costa. He's got to run it up the flag, but he'll file for jurisdiction. She returns the files and gets a thank you from the police. That night, Zaya's watching security footage and sees a masked woman enter the file room and Malcolm enter, and their fight turned into a conversation. Also that night, Malcolm is trailing a triumphant Salinger as he goes to wrestling practice. Such a nice coach. Jess and Malcolm watch from the hall. Salinger spies her and calls her in. He's proud of his team, hardworking and focused. He sneers at her, saying he won't leave these kids. After all, she can't win in a fair fight. Brute force is in her nature, he says. Fine, she's ready to be schooled by him. Trish, with a burner phone, calls a tip into the New York Bulletin. A taxi brings a photographer, who snaps the mask Trish doing superhero jumps. But back to Salinger, he reviews the rules. The person to pin the opponent to the mat wins. No cheating. Passivity? That's cheating, too. He slams her to the ground. This is what he did to kill Nathan? The children cheer Jessica as she throws him aside. He says they'll all see, and she says let them see. The children cheer as she walks out. What suspects are our focus in this episode? Pete, let's start, as we oftentimes do, with Salinger. Boy, Jeremy Bob has just upped the unlikability, the very real unlikability, Matt. Yes, I think this was an episode where if you weren't getting a little, shall we say, metaphorical commentary or commentary on the real world or things like that, this is where uh, the show was doing it, if not only from his very direct uh, aspersions concerning gender, then the kind of, you know, semi-comic book metaphor of powered people versus, you know, those of us who work hard. Pete, I would even add to it, in his performance, when he's ostensibly glad-handing Jerry and Zaya as 
hardworking normal people. I feel like he's also thinking, and you, you're a bleep, and you, you're a bleep. Yeah. But I guess that's better than, you know, Jessica Jones. I mean, all the while, both now literally and previously figuratively imagining himself some sort of victim. Then you add to it the episode's inclusion, a brief one, Pete, but, uh, you know, references to how he's trying to appeal to the base. Uh, there's even a Trish line about not being a fan of uh, Cheetos and other things that are orange. I think this was an episode that could have gone the route of some of the post-election 2016 Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. obvious metaphors, and that worked for S.H.I.E.L.D., and that was kind of stunning to see in the winter of 2017. Here, I think they're 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 using a similar quiver of arrows but a bit more judiciously yeah i think it was more reserved understated and understandably so uh when you consider too that salinger's first victim a hispanic friend and also too and pete i'm not i'm certainly not saying oh i'm making a joke out of this pete i'm no comedian but I kind of wonder if we have an iTunes review to uh, to prove that. Well, you know what? A, a little bit of lemon could go a long way to make lemonade. But uh, again, kind of no no sense of humor here. I'm not trying to make a joke. Pete, Mr. Silva talks about some of these kind of made up homemade wrestling moves between Nathan and Gregory. Is he? being oblivious to something that we might be seeing a bit more obviously, or do you think the episode is not, is not going there? There's definitely a subtext with Salinger, whether or not, um, the deceased Silva boy, uh, may have been involved. That remains to be seen. Um, I mean, it's often a trope with serial killer stories that, there's some kind of uh, shameful sexuality and that the kill is a means of covering that up. Certainly, though, I mean, with Salinger, again, I know I've said this in prior episodes of the podcast, I'm so impressed with this offering of Marvel Netflix that there is the, there's the sense of pacing where he's kind of this fully-bloomed, villain here in 307 many and many a previous episode of uh, of marvel netflix shows he would have had this triumphant scene or a monologue or something of that sort you know like two episodes in so we really understood who the bad guy was instead there's kind of just been this slow burn here that absolutely works and let's not forget that salinger is this volunteer at a community wrestling center where you know the episode climaxes and he gets his butt kicked by a girl i have to wonder too something that was suggested to be honest completely jokingly in our season preview uh that of oh this is the salinger who is the famous uh, author to to you know to, to take one step away from that i do wonder if uh, if this character, either in this incarnation, I know there is a comics connection that I've kind of remained uh, blind to for fear of being spoiled, but here's my point, Pete. There's a little bit of the man-child, the, the 
the male who is misperceiving, the person who is misperceiving situations around him that makes me think of Salinger's Catcher in the Rye. Just a little bit there in terms of you're not picking up exactly the way things are being presented. I think that the character is a touchstone and the name. I mean, that's a, a pretty obvious connection. Let's move on, Pete, to police officer Velasco, who is going to protect old little Greggy there. She couldn't protect him from, you know, the abusive father. Uh, I suppose some correlation there to to uh, Salinger's story from a couple episodes ago. But by sure, she's going to protect him now by not sharing files, which I would kind of assume one has to share. I don't know exactly how that works, but she's going to protect old Greggy. And again, it comes out of a place of fear and insecurity. People like you coming up here, you know, the superpowers being multiple metaphors, not just in the X-Men sense for homosexuality, but, you know, the diversity, the difference from the rest of the populace and the fear that that evokes. I would even say, too, I felt like that scene in a different uh, in a different story, that scene could have played unchanged with a uh, person of color asking for files from the white sheriff in the South or not the South, depending on, you know, perspective, et cetera, et cetera. So I think we had that whole issue there. And what I found so interesting was once, you know, the long suspected murder slash missing person report, I guess missing person report turned into murder. Uh, once that had now been addressed, uh, we saw how Velasco was the first one to give a big genuine thank you to, you know, that weirdo powered person who made it all possible. But even then, what's the subtext of that scene? Oh, this other boy had stolen the uh, the snowblower. Oh, sometimes you just got to let things slide. Yes, we we leave Wappinger Falls with this sense of, you know, there are the outside rules and then there are the rules in town. There are the unspoken rules. And I don't know, that plus the superhero metaphor makes this not a great place. By the way, Pete, a real place. Yes, uh, not too far from New York City. Cryptology, where we uncover hidden messages and larger themes. Pete, I know we've touched on a few already, but what more do you have? Well, I mean, the, the subject of Salinger's brother with the tractor overturning here. I mean, we can only draw some kind of guilt now from that, right? Either guilt or a little story baloney, like, oh, this death of a young man was not murder. You know, a young man who was in Salinger's orbit. But there's another young man who was in Salinger's orbit who was murdered. Certainly, that's my impression of that by the end of the story that that's what they offered up. And are serial killers and criminals uh, of less serial nature? You know, are they uncovered... Uh, at times by weird connections and happenstance things. Absolutely. I, I buy it as a story presentation, but I can't help uh, nonetheless to call attention to the fact that it appears a mistake brought them there, but proof let them leave, you know, heads hung high. And then that Velasco couldn't protect, you know, Salinger from his father. He got stabbed there. 
and not knowing what happened to the dad, I think it similarly draws guilt there. Yeah. The bottom line is this is a, you know, this is an insular town with, you know, secrets that are kept secret. And what's kind of the final result of that in terms of our little visit to Wappinger Falls? Uh, Police department was not protecting young Gregory. Police department was not protecting young Nathan. Um, The death of uh, the death of the brother, you know, certainly a sad accident. It seems thus far. I, I don't think that's necessarily on the police department, but this police department that also inhabits town hall. I mean, it's, it's Pete, this, this must not be a good last couple of weeks of Wappinger falls. And they're like, look, we're on the TV. Oh, Oh, this is not a good portrayal. And then with the DNA seemingly all over his first kill, Jessica noting to Costa that Salinger would have been sloppy. Um, with all that, in the bag, no pun intended. What does she do? She goes and she confronts Salinger. Really can't help herself, in part because Malcolm can't help himself wanting to confront him. And we get this triumphant walking away scene in what, you know, the viewer can only imagine, like, the bottom's going to fall out of the next episode. You assaulted him. You tainted the case. He walks free. Again, I think from in, in terms of this being a midpoint in the season, that kind of construction, it was nice to have a midpoint that's not, oh, no, now things are getting worse. And don't get me wrong, Pete, I totally agree that next episode, things will probably get worse. We have six episodes to go. Uh, but it was, again, this kind of it, it was against my expectations for Marvel Netflix that at the midpoint we would get a glimmer of hope versus you thought things are bad. Now they're even worse. Now, Matt, you're not a performer as a writer. It's not really a thing, but I know you know of the idea of headshots and maybe even the the dark side of this. You go down to your local mall, or at least you did back in the day and got the glamour shots at glamour shots but how about trish calling in the old new york bulletin here for the glamour shots it's funny i as i type the recaps i usually like to clump together um kind of different character elements because frequently it'll be you know then we check in with malcolm then it's jessica then it's malcolm then it's jerry then it's jessica and i like to just keep it basically by character unless uh chronology calls for otherwise and in the watching, it was a kind of weird insertion because we're at the end of, oh man, it's going to be this showdown. Oh my God, where's he going? Is this Fight Club? No, this is, it's kids. He's with kids. There's boys and girls. And and then we're going to intercut with this weird Trish moment. It felt like they were, and clearly they were, setting something up for next episode, which is perfectly fine. It just came at a weird time where it's literally in between some of these other scenes and... I don't know. It was interesting. The fact that, you know, Pete, uh, I, I, have, I, know, I know nothing of the next episode, but I know that there's going to be a New York Bolton headline, you know. Um, maybe there's going to be a cat pun. I don't know, but it's going to be, you know, masked woman leaps, you know, 50 feet uh, agile as a cat, something like that. And that's going to be exciting. But in the interim, it kind of, for me, it messed up the, the last five or seven minutes of the episode. 
I particularly enjoyed how Jerry is already regretting taking on Salinger as a client. Um, the not full disclosure of information, you know, him uh, holding things back from his attorney, who, by the way, uh, Matt, he's he's got his um, his JD, his law degree, uh, which only further undermines her. I don't think Jerry would ever be so stupid or so foolish to take on a client like Salinger. Well, it's funny. I found myself in that beginning part of the episode reflecting back, what is it at this point, three, four years ago to the bizarre experience I had in terms of watching The People versus O.J. Simpson on FX. Then I got the book it was based on, and then I rewatched it, the 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 series with my parents. Then when that was done was when the ESPN um, uh, documentary was on. And at a certain point, I just remember being in the middle of summer, me being like, I need to get this guy out of my head because this is like this. And now is, he's this, on Twitter, Matt. Yeah, now he's on Twitter. Um, but you know, early on in the book, and by extension, the show, uh, you know, this notion of everybody's entitled to a defense. Everybody's entitled to a, a great defense, particularly if you can hire it. Uh, and all the theatrics of that case. Uh, you know, that were made possible by these incredibly theatrical defense lawyers and then the prosecution try, kind of trying to keep up, sort of. Um, but again, it's kind of like those those lawyers were the entertainment and the death a little bit of a of a sideshow. So too here, you know, Salinger's entitled to defense, uh, you know, fine defense and whatnot, but it's like, I know Jerry is a defense attorney, but how does she do this every day, deal with these kind of people? I know she also does mergers and acquisitions. I know she also does stuff for Rand. I know she also is prepared to go into talent representation, but I don't know. Look at this way. To answer your point, Pete, it might be a little difficult to understand how Jerry could defend this person. I think it's ultimately true. I have a difficult time understanding how most defense attorneys can defend most obviously bad people, if not obviously guilty people. Let's check our mail drop. Here's what you have to say. Pete, a tweet from Steely Dan. Nah, nah, nah. That's with three ends at the end. Jessica Jones is the best Marvel Netflix series, but none of you want to have that conversation. Pete, I'll have that conversation any time of the day. I know you've been a big fan of it. It's definitely towards the top for me. I, I kind of get swayed with the different shows. Punisher, I'm not looking at you anymore after the way you ended. Um, but, I mean, we were just talking about it off mic, and I think it's a larger conversation come the end of the season. But I think that this show was canceled before it aired, um, similar to Punisher, has led to less of a conversation, fewer people watching it, although Netflix will never tell us, though 30 million people, Matt, watched Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston's murder mystery, right? 30 million real Netflix accounts that have people attached to them. Well, Pete, it's similar to, uh, and certainly a much more important bit of programming, but there was the Ava DuVernay documentary on the Central Park Five uh, that 
Netflix made similar numbers about, and I'm, I'm not trying to take away from that, that documentary at all, but I will just say, you know, something that 25 million people have seen, you know, that should be showing up on social media more than the Game of Thrones finale, more than Walking Dead a couple of years ago, more than a lot of the happenings of each day. I guess all these people that watch these things that Netflix says they watch, uh, Pete, they do so in a very kind of private manner and don't want to talk about it on social media, which why would we why would we possibly think that Netflix has something to hide? Oh, give them more venture capital money, please. They need more money now. This is an absolute return to form after uh, a saggy, for the most part, second season. And uh, hey, if you deny yourself, if you have denied yourself, this show, well, you're the one who loses out. Pete, it will be a sad goodbye when we do have to say goodbye to this show, but we still have six episodes to go, and the people who keep us going, it's all the listeners, but it's particularly those who support us on patreon.com slash fantasticgeek. As we are on a pace to yet surpass our yearly record for podcasts for, I believe, a fifth straight year i don't know how it's even possible at this point um we could not do it without the contributions of the people of patreon.com slash fantastic geek all it takes is a dollar to get you in the door and really your dollar goes so far if you know you want to give more than that our cup runneth over pete this is our 95th uh, post on fantasticgeek.com for 2019. Uh, 2018, we did 159. So, yes, literally on pace to outpace that. Don't quite know how we do it, but the support of our listeners always appreciated. Pete, there are so many perks there, but the best is to talk to you on Twitter, and that's always a freebie. How can people do so? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P I E T E R J K E T L A R, 10,561 followers. Can't be wrong. Pete, while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, I hope to keep the conversation about Jessica Jones going. You can be talking to me on Twitter. You can be commenting on fantasticgeek.com. You can check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, on Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the PH, all one word, like it today. For those listening on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, we will be back on Friday with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We'll be back Sunday morning-ish, sometime Sunday, to talk Spider-Man Far From Home. And then, of course, another Jessica Jones, Jessica Jones 308 on Sunday as well. If you're just here for the Jessica Jones stuff, we'll see you on Sunday with that, Pete. I'm going to say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. I am psychologically shutting down. <laughs>